Thank you, Miss Sue Ann. And good morning again, everybody. Good to see everybody out. Uh, good to have you folks that's logging into Facebook or onto YouTube with us as well. And, and certainly we'll take this opportunity to invite you to be with us uh, anytime that you can. Before I dismiss the kids to go over to Children's Church, I do have a, a call to prayer, if you will. And I wanted to wait, do it to include the folks that are on uh, Facebook and YouTube because it is important uh, for our congregation and those that share with us on a regular basis. We have a man that has come forward uh, and expressed his desire to serve uh, as a deacon in this congregation. And I'm asking uh, each and every uh, person uh, that hears this request to be in prayer for this man and his family and the board as we move forward uh, with, uh, with this process and that God would guide us all uh, in the path that he chooses uh, for this congregation. So I want to extend that uh, call for prayer uh, for everyone here today. All right. Let's see here. Children's Church. Looks like uh, Dave and Angie has got Children's Church today. So uh, 12 and under, any of those kids want to go over for that, we encourage you to, to slide right on out and, and go have a good time in Children's Church. And while they're stepping over there, uh, Jesus is calling. Number 321. 321 is uh, the hymn number on that one. Uh, we use for our hymn of invitation. Uh, again, certainly it's good to see everybody out this morning. Good to be here with you and always a privilege to share in God's word with you. If you're visiting or if you're, you're looking for a church home, we'd like for you to consider uh, Locust Grove as uh, uh, let us become part of your family and you become part of ours as well. It's always a privilege for me to share in God's word with you. And, and uh, my goodness, November is upon us now. That means that it's getting, it's getting serious. Uh, I had heard it rumored that there are Christmas trees going up all over the community. Uh, I've seen that happen. Uh, I witnessed that happen last night myself. So uh, just beware, there will be Christmas things beginning all over the, the area. So uh, it is okay. Uh, just breathe, and we will get through it, man, I promise you. All righty. As I was thinking about this sermon last night, some names came to mind. So, now, some of you... He in this room will be way too young to, to, to remember Roy Rogers or Gene Autry or Neil Armstrong or John Glenn. And some of the names that young men and young boys, I'll say, uh, growing up wanted to, to model themselves after. Uh, now, the ladies, I'm sorry, I, I, I went back and even tried to research, and, and I couldn't, uh, I'm sad to say, uh, for that generation in the 50s, I couldn't find any names that readily came available. But... I'm sure that you, you model after teachers that you may have had, or, or maybe there was a nurse or someone that was from outside your family that impacted your life in a special way that, that maybe influenced you uh, growing up as well. And I thought, uh, you know, what about today? What about modern times? Uh, and it's hard for me, really, to name many people that if I were a boy growing up right now who I might model myself after, most likely a baseball player, uh, since there's not too many cowboys these days. Now, I think that's one thing that's wrong with our nation. We don't have enough cowboys anymore. And uh, so boys and girls, oftentimes boys want to be like dad and girls want to be like mom or, or maybe, as I said, after a teacher, model themselves after a teacher, someone that influenced them in their lives, that they wanted to grow up and I want to be like. Well, even as adults, that happens to us. 
we, even as we grow and we get our own experiences, or for myself anyway, I find myself drawing on the experience and the wisdom of those older than me, those that have uh, lived life more than I have lived. And I try to model their behavior in a similar situation that I have seen happen before. And so here we are, grown adults, and here we are gathered this morning as Christians. We were thought about that question for ourselves. Should we strive to be like someone as a Christian? Well, the obvious answer there is we all should strive to be more like Christ, right? And, and that's what we, we wear his name as Christian and that we should seek out to be like that. But uh, Christ is a tough act to follow, isn't he? He was perfect. And I certainly don't fit that bill. And I certainly uh, don't ever expect to be perfect this side of heaven, but I have the hope of perfection through his sacrifice, as we just remembered this morning. So who is it that we might find in the scriptures that would be more like us? And to answer that question, I'd like for you to turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. I think the Bible and God supplies us with a perfect example of who we should strive to be like when we want to follow the model of someone who is fallible, someone who makes mistakes, someone that's human. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And some of your translations say, may say imitators. Be ye imitators of me, even as I also am of Christ. And Paul encouraged several times in his letters these same things. To the Philippians he wrote in 317 and said, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. And then also back in 1 Corinthians 4, 16, he says, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. So Paul, in his letters, throughout all the churches that he was encouraging, those that, that he supported, he said, model yourselves after me, because I'm trying to model myself after Christ. So I think we could, we could certainly do worse if we strive to be like Paul. Uh, in our lives and our example. And I want to look just a few uh, uh, this morning at a few examples of how that we can be like Paul. And the first one coming from Acts chapter two, two, 22, I'm sorry. Acts chapter 22, verses 6 through 11. We can be more like Paul in coming to Christ. In Acts chapter 22, verses 6 through 11, he describes or tells of his conversion. Of course, now we know of Paul, he was Saul at this particular time. And here he is telling about his trip or encounter on that road to Damascus with Jesus. In verse 6 he says, And it came to pass that as I made my journey and was come nigh unto Damascus, about noon, suddenly there shone from heaven a great light round about me, and I fell unto the ground and heard a voice saying unto me, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And I answered, Who art thou, Lord? And he said unto me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom thou persecutest. 
And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all the things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. Now notice he said it was about noon. Noon in the desert. Now I've never been in the deserts of, of Syria or Iraq, but I have been in the deserts of, of California in the near Death Valley, and I've been there in the middle of summer, and I've been there at noon, and I can't imagine the light from the sun being much brighter. But he said that this light outshone the sun. Talking about Jesus. And it so, so, it so shone, it blinded him. It blinded him from the extra light. And that's hard for us to comprehend. Because if you go out even today in, in Kentucky, and when the sun does come back out a little later on this week, and you go look at the sun, it's going to hurt your eyes. And we know you don't look at the sun because it can damage your eyes. But what we see here is Jesus had an encounter with this man Saul, who persecuted the church. And we know that he was doing this, and he was doing this with great zeal. And he describes that himself over in, in uh, chapter 26, verses 9 through 11. 26, 9 through 11, Paul, in describing what he did, he said, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities or unto foreign cities. So he made it his personal mission to go out and persecute Christians. And he must have been successful because he did it abroad. He had the support of the church. He was following the teachings of his youth. And that's what I want us to understand. Because I don't think that any of us today intentionally go out and try to persecute Christians. Not here in this country. It does happen, as Brother Dennis mentioned, because today is the International Day of Prayer. There are Christians around this globe that are being persecuted because of the name of Christ, because of who they put their, their faith in for eternal salvation. But praise God that we don't face that here today. But yet we see this man named Saul that was rebelling against God, rebelling against Jesus Christ, and he was doing it based off of his teachings of being a young man. And many people today in our country, many people today in our community act that same way. Oh, they're not persecuting, but they're denying. They're denying Christ. They're rebelling against God by denying what the truth of the Bible tells us. That says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except through me. And because of that, they rebel. In the same way as Saul, who was soon to be Paul, rebelled. But what happened? What happened? Jesus came into his life. 
He met Jesus. He met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I met Jesus on the road to uh, Butler, Kentucky. Other people met Jesus other places, but rest assured, someday, somehow, someplace, somewhere, you will meet Jesus. And you will have an encounter, and you will do one of two things. You will accept him as Saul did, and he was converted. Or you will deny him, and it will be to your peril. And then therefore, you would not be like Paul. And that's why I say that we can take his example and say, once we realize that I was in error, I turned from my error, as Paul did. He turned from his error, and he began to not to persecute, but to promote Jesus Christ, just as we should do ourselves and model ourselves as well. It will, uh, it will not be most likely that you'll be in the, the checkout line at Walmart and you will be stricken blind by a great light and a voice that says go to the service desk and you shall be told what to do. But what will most likely happen is that you will meet someone along the way or that you may be the third person or the fourth person that you will encounter with those people and your life, your example, your wisdom, your faith will be relayed to them. And in that, they will meet Jesus. And in that, they will have the opportunity to say, I accept you as my Savior. I want to serve you with my life. And that's what we see happening. And that's why it's so important that we remember those things. And it's also important that when we realize that we're wrong, we immediately abandon the error so that the truth can come in and fill our lives. Paul now, he lived his life with a good conscience uh, before God. But he had to abandon the view that he had previously. And Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. He preached it. He lived it. He made no compromises with it, with sin or people that used it in error. There was no compromise, and we shouldn't have that either. We should be bold. We should be, as he wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also the Greek or the Gentile, and that is us. We should not be ashamed of the gospel, folks. It's the only way that people can have salvation. And that's how Paul led his life. As strong as he persecuted the church, he promoted the church with his whole life. And it cost him more. We'll find that out shortly. Because my second point is, he strived from that point on to be pleasing to God. Look with me in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. And in the world that we live in today, it's almost like what our society is calling us to do. But we must remember these words of Paul. He says, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Do we understand what that's saying? Do we see how that, that applies to us in this very culture that we live in today? People are changing the gospel to seek the pleasure or approval of men. But what does Paul say? He says, I seek the approval of God. And if I should seek the approval of men, then I can't even be a representative of Christ. Amen. And that's how we have to live our lives, folks. 
We have to be first and foremost pleasing to God and then pray that those that oppose us will know the error of their ways and change toward the truth. Because who is it that we do seek to please? I pray the Lord. I pray the Lord. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul says this in verses 12 through 14. This is because, and, and don't listen to me. It's not like that, that Paul ever thought he was perfect, and it's not like that I ever think I'm perfect. I, I get more things wrong than I get right most of the time. Okay, but I try. I try to make that reverse. But listen to what he says. Now, this is Paul. Not as though I had already attained it, or either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that for which also I am appreh apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the, the prize of the high calling of God in, in Christ Jesus. He knows that he's made mistakes, and he's not letting those mistakes drag him down. He's continuing to move forward, pressing toward that prize, that high mark, that example of Christ, so that he can be pleasing to God. And you know what the devil's going to do to each and every one of us. Every time we make a mistake, every time we slip up or something, he's going to remind us of that. And he's going to keep that us in, in the back of our minds. Oh, remember what happened the last time? And then we're going to shy away. We may not be so bold. We may not press toward that mark so strongly. But we have to follow the example of Paul. We have to be striving to be pleasing to God, pressing toward the mark. That means with great effort. We must with great effort try to be pleasing to God. He never allowed himself, Paul never allowed himself to be satisfied with his efforts. Always pushing forward. Ask yourself in that. Ask yourself through the course of this week. Am I satisfied with where I am in my relationship with God? Am I satisfied with where I am and how I represent Christ? We should never be satisfied. We should always be pressing toward that mark. Another thing that this world needs is the example of the next item I'm talking about that we can be like Paul, and that's to be kind-hearted. To be kind-hearted. There in Ephesians again, chapter 4, verse 32 this time. He calls and says that be ye kind-hearted one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We gladly and seek after and hope for God's forgiveness, and we want it for every mistake that we make, don't we? But when someone wrongs me, brother, watch out. You're going to pay. I'm going to make you pay because you hurt me. I'm going to make you pay because you embarrassed me. I'm going to make you pay because you caused me great pain. But do we not realize that whenever we fail, when we slip up, when we goof up, we do the same thing to Christ? Should we sin so that grace may abound? Heaven forbid. Because when we do that, when we intentionally sin, we crucify Christ all over again. So what we have to remember is we have to be kind-hearted toward those people that are just like us because Jesus was kind-hearted and loving to me. 
And that's what Paul here is encouraging us, to be kind-hearted. When someone messes up, when someone slips up, uh, yes, there may be pain. There may be hurt. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's not legitimate because it is. But you know what else is legitimate? Is forgiveness. Because there's a danger. There's a danger to causing someone, especially a brother or sister in Christ, to try to suffer at my hand for a wrong they've done to me. Paul gives us an example of that in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. If you want to turn back over there with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6, 7, and 8, talking about uh, the very discipline within the church. He said, Sufficient to such a man is this punishment which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. Now listen here. Lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. So there's a danger in letting our human nature apply what we consider just punishment. There's a danger that you could cause someone to be overcome so much with it that they never recover from it. They never come back to the right relationship with God. They are so crushed in their spirit that they turn away. None of us would want that, would we? I don't think so. Because what if God did us that way whenever we messed up? That the punishment was so severe, the, fun, the punishment was such a heavy burden, it turned us from him. And that's not why Christ came. So that man might turn to him. So we have to be kind-hearted toward people. Yes, we're going to be hurt. Yes, there's going to be hurt feelings. Yes, there's going to be, be uh, uncomfortable times in our lives when people mess up. But, but listen, when that happens... When you're the offender, ask for forgiveness. Repent. Tell them you're sorry. Tell them you were wrong. Admit you were wrong. And when you're the one that has been offended, allow that to be sufficient. Allow a, a call for forgiveness and a call of repentance to be sufficient to help begin to heal that hurt because that's what Paul's encouraging us to do. And if we want to be like Paul, if we want to be imitators of him as he was of Christ, that's one thing that we must, that require, the scriptures requires that we do. I am sure that Paul remembered what it was like to be wrong. Sometimes we forget that we can be wrong. But I, I just have to think in the back of Paul's mind, all throughout his ministry serving Christ, he was remembering those faces, those people that he helped to persecute. Those people, those families that he helped to put into prison. Those people that were put to death that he sanctioned. Those were in the back of his mind, I know. I am confident that those haunted him all the days of his life. And because of that, that's why he teaches this or tells us, don't allow this to haunt you. Be kind-hearted, tender-hearted, forgiving. Let people know that you love them because Christ loved us first. So be kind-hearted. And then finally, Paul says, or if we want to be like Paul, we have to be sacrificing like him. In 2 Corinthians still, verse 11, or chapter 11, rather, 
uh, this time. Verses 23 through 27. And this is how much that he strived to sacrifice and to continue with his mission. He asked, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequent, in death oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. They weren't allowed to beat you over 40 because if you got 41, if you miscounted, there was great punishment. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck the night and the day, and I have been in the deep, he says. In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city and in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea and in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, in fasting often, and in cold and in nakedness. That's talking about his sacrificing to follow the calling that God had sent him to do. That's a lot. He speaks here about his labors and his service for the Lord. Speaks about how often he suffered, how often he sacrificed in his labor. And I ask you, and this is not, I'm not being judgmental. What I'm doing with this last section, as I was writing it, I kind of scared myself. I thought, man, I'm going to make a lot of people upset when I say this. And, and I pray that you understand that that's not what I'm doing. I'm wanting to encourage you to step on forward. Because I know it's easy to get stuck where you are. I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, doing, doing what I should be doing. And it's easy to get stuck there, and I want you to move forward. So I say that just to qualify what I'm getting ready to say. Do we really labor for Christ? Do we labor for Christ? Do we become physically and mentally tired because of the labor that we do in the name of the Lord? Do you do that? And you've got to answer these questions for yourself. I'm just the guy that's asking them, okay? Because few of us really know the meaning of sacrifice. Very few people. We make very little sacrifice for the cause of Christ, actually. And let me say this. Attending church, teaching a class, leading a group is not sacrifice. That's worship. That's worship, folks. It's not sacrifice when we do these things that we commonly do. We oftentimes give leftovers to God. And leftovers for the family is fine. You know, it's a good way to, to make a quick, easy meal and, and everybody gets nourished with those leftovers and that's why we save them and, and that's fine. But for God, that's not acceptable. Leftover time, leftover talent, leftover money is not acceptable when it comes to sacrificing for the Lord in our service to the Lord. It's giving up something that to serve the Lord. And, I, and listen, I don't want you to think that I don't think that you haven't sacrificed something. That's not mine to judge, and I'm confident that you have probably given something to the Lord, sacrificed something for the Lord. 
But when we compare our sacrifice to the sacrifice of Paul, I think you would agree, myself included, we all fall short. We all fall short. And if we're going to follow, if we're going to be imitators of Paul as he was an imitator of Christ, then our sacrifice must look more like Paul's and less like mine. And that's what I'm saying. And that's what I'm asking you to say this. So I want you to be cautious. I want you to be cautious when you say, I don't have enough time. We don't have enough extra money. We don't have the ability to serve. Be honest with yourselves, folks. And this is a tough one. When you say those things, you're really saying, I don't want to sacrifice, and you fill in the blank, to serve the Lord. And that's what it comes down to. That's exactly what it comes down to. This means more to me than serving the Lord means to me. And Paul gave us the example that nothing meant more to him, even his own health, even his own life, even his own body, broken, striped, beaten, shipwrecked, in cold, naked, hungry. All of that was pale in comparison to the fact that he got to serve Jesus, that he got to go out and promote Jesus Christ. And that's the attitude that we have to have. We will most likely never be required to be beaten, to be stoned, to receive 39 stripes from a whip, to be on a ship, shipwrecked, night and day, to be hungry, cold, and naked. That most likely will not be required of us. And that's why we, it makes it so difficult. Because given those extreme circumstances, we would probably prevail, to be honest with you. But in the comfort of the society that we live in today, the sacrifices are much more subtle. They're much more subtle because it's interwoven within our lives of what we have to sacrifice in order to serve the Lord more. I'm not going to give you a list of things, but you think about that statement. How that society has made us busier and busier. And I'm not saying the things that we do is not good things. They may be great things. But it's not servicing in the name of the Lord. So it's something I want you to think about because we will make time to do what we desire to do. I'll say that again. You will make time to do what you desire to do. Do you desire to serve the Lord? Paul, time after time, as we see here, weariness, painfulness, the world's greatest preacher, I think it would be safe to say, uh, we are a result of Paul's preaching. To the Gentile. He knew hunger. He knew thirst. He knew what it meant to be cold. He knew what it was like to be without proper clothing. He knew what the care of the churches meant. And that meant sacrificing for Jesus. Now does God require more of Paul than he did of us? I really don't think so. I really don't think so because if we as a congregation were in, in place where Paul was at the same time frame, I think we'd suffer the some of the similar same uh, uh, circumstances, the same persecutions because the, the, the book tells us about it. But we live in a different time. And it's, as I said earlier, it's just a much more subtle assault. So something for us to think about. And as I said earlier, we could certainly do worse than follow the example of Paul and his service to God.
and it certainly be a change for any of us, myself included, to go from right now, today, and say, I'm going to be more like Paul. I'm going to be more like Paul in making sure that I uh, am not ashamed of the gospel, that I accept the gospel, that it is part of me, that it leads me in my life. I'm going to make sure that I'm more like Paul, that I'm more kind-hearted to people. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm like Paul, that I'm willing to share the gospel with those that are lost without it and sacrifice the things that, that are important to me, but serving God is more important. And you can do that, folks, and I encourage you. And, and I encourage you to prayerfully consider that. As I said earlier, there's a man that has come forward uh, to the elders and says that he wants to serve the Lord in a position in this church. And this is what he's telling us that he wants to do. So I preach that not only for our benefit as a congregation, but for the benefit of that man that has come forward to realize the seriousness of what he is requesting to do. Not that, I don't, that I'm discouraging him, I just want him to understand that when we take on that responsibility, there is greater expectation. Now, the first step, of course, for anyone is to be like Paul, is to accept Jesus as their Savior. He did that, though he rebelled against Christ initially. Once he met Jesus, he accepted Christ. And if you're here today or, or you're watching or will watch later on and you've never accepted Christ, but by something that I've said or maybe an action that the Lord has taken through someone else, Throughout the course of the week, you realize that you need to come to Jesus for that same salvation that Paul received on the road to Damascus. I encourage you to come forward today to contact us uh, as soon as you can. If you hear and believe the gospel and you're willing to repent of your sins and confess Christ as your Savior and to be buried like him in baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit and the remission of your sins or forgiveness of your sins. You're raised that new creation in Christ and you walk forward faithfully serving like Paul to the best of your ability. I couldn't probably ever match Paul. I know better than that. But I can sure try to strive. And I don't want, to, want you to think that, that it's an impossible goal because it's not. Your best effort is what God requires. Now, maybe you're a Christian and you realize, you know what, I have slipped. I have slipped into to what the culture says is acceptable, and I have forgotten what God says is acceptable. I need to change the way I view things. I need to change the way I do things. Well, I want to encourage you to do that today. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. Jesus is calling, and he is. He's calling all that will come. If you have a decision to make, would you come as we stand and sing? Uh, 321, the third and the fourth verse of Jesus is calling.